to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. We have now. How long has it been? She said, guys, <laughs> how long has it been since you've been on the broadcast? Has it been? I think we were here. What, summertime? When was it? Early last year. April or something yeah. last year. So it's almost been a year, but it's, it's great to have Pastor Cody back. Listen, let me just give a short intro. If you don't know my man, Pastor Cody Spencer, he is a great man of God, in my opinion. Um, based in Horseheads, New York, his tabernacle. And uh, your father is the senior pastor there. You've been youth pastoring for a number of years. But one of the things that you started doing, which is awesome, is that you launched the Uproar Conference. Yeah. Uh, a free conference, which is, not, that's very rare these days. Most people don't have free conferences. No. It's all paid. Uh, but you've done it by, really it's been miraculous because the finances to bless these young people have come in and more than enough every year. Every, it's, it's been insane. Like the first year, I think our budget was $23,000. And we just felt to not do any fundraisers, no bake sales, no car washes, none of the things that just waste people's time. And it was wild. Within one week, we were given two checks without ever going in front of the congregation. Two checks, both $10,000. Wow. And covered it, and it's been the same ever since. But the, the amazing thing is your budget uh, has continued to rise as you're doing yeah. more and more. Well, like, so last year you've increased by how much, and so now your budget's probably much more. Yeah, no, it, it's been insane. Our budget, uh, I think last year we saved a little bit of money because of the pandemic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we didn't what, back use the arena. This, if you're in the arena, what do you It was $73,000. 73000 to do, you know, a week of conference. But imagine this, like, Here's what I love. So the Uproar Conference, which you can see that at theuproar.org, theuproar.org. Yeah. Um, it's amazing because it's not just a, a conference. It's it's not just a, a free conference. One of the things we've been saying, it's not a conference, it's a movement. Yeah. Because yeah. it's one of the places that you can truly find a move of the Holy Spirit, which really is what our young people right. need, is a move of the Holy Ghost. And that's really been a priority of, of yours is to have a move of the spirit at that conference. Is, that is the priority. Is to not just have engaging sermons, excellent worship. You know, we have some of the best names uh, come through for uh, worship, for concerts, yeah. uh, hip hop concerts, all of that stuff. But um, literally, it's the focus is a move of God, a move of yeah. the Holy Ghost. People being delivered from addictions, people being healed. saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, right. healed. And called we're to ministry. called to ministry. And we, you've been seeing that. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that. That's not something that was like originally on our heart was, hey, we're going to see a lot of people called to ministry, but it's been explosive. Yeah. Even for our, our home church, the amount of people that are in ministry because of what God did in their life at conferences is insane. Absolutely. And listen, I'm telling you, we put it in the comments section there. Uh, you can learn more about the Uproar Conference at theuproar.org. You need to get your young people there without question. It's in New York, Southern New York on the border of Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's worth your time. It's worth every dollar you spend to get there. Um, countless lives literally have been changed. Like it's, it's amazing. Um, and I've gotten to the honor of being able to be there since the beginning and to see it grow, to see God 
use them to touch this generation has been amazing. I believe more than ever before, we're seeing a hunger, uh, not just in the young people, but in all ages across America. I mean, where we just were at North Carolina, we literally, we weren't in a city. We weren't next to an airport. We had people drive from like six or seven different states to be in that meeting, you know, uh, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Virginia, North Carolina. And people drove 14 hours, 10 hours to be in the services. It shows you there's a hunger. And then of course, even now with so many churches shut down, uh, people are like raring to go. There's a hunger in people. And I think we're, we're experiencing a hunger like we never have. And especially among our young people, you know, they're looking for answers. hundred percent real answers that they can stand on, that they, they can experience. Mm -hmm. It's true. We, we had to shut down youth group for a couple weeks. Sunday Mm -hmm. never shut down, but we had to shut down youth for, oh my goodness. It was almost three months because of everything going on. And when we came back, I'm telling you, they came back with such a hunger during those services. It's been a whole new level. It's almost like a different group of kids. And it's the same people, just a new level of hunger. Yeah. It's no, been phenomenal. And I'm seeing that. Like that hunger is just like going through the roof. Um, because I think one of the things that you'll, you'll realize, and then you guys may notice this just from uh, looking at history. But anytime there's a crisis in the world, yep. uh, it really does drive people to a place they're looking for help and hope. That's right. Uh, you look at what happened in America after World War II came to a close. You had the Voice of Healing movement hit the nation. Vietnam uh, came to a close. And then you had the charismatic renewal yep. and all the things. People, when in times of crisis, they know they need help. Reminds me of a quote. And I'm trying to remember which preacher said this, if it was Spurgeon or uh, who it was. But he's basically, he was telling preachers, giving them tips on how to preach. And one of the things he said is before you can get them saved, you got to get them lost. That was what he said, because most people don't think they need a savior. That's true. Most people don't think they need to change. That's true. Most people think they're fine. I'm a good guy. I'm, you know, I have no, but see, he said, before you can get them saved, you have to get show them their need for a savior. And, and so he said, you got to get them lost before you can get them saved. And so truly when there is crisis, when there are problems, people can clearly see in front of their face, I need help. I need help. And it really pushes people. uh, You know, it's like the old saying, there's no atheists in foxholes. You know, when you're at war and your stuff's blowing (laughs) up all around you, people are dying. You're crying out for somebody. Yeah. hundred percent. And so I believe that's where we're at. We're coming into the final moments of time, I believe. I believe we're in the beginning of sorrows as the Bible uh, teaches. I don't think we're yeah. in the tribulation, obviously, but people can see it. You, you look at the, the world and the state the world's in and people know they need help. It's true. And that's what, that's what I don't understand about everyone. Oh, online church, online church. It makes no sense to me. If online church was it, then why do the people in China still risk going to prison and jail and and even death in some cases to attend church in person. Right. And I think the churches that that are built on God, that are built on the power of God, that are going to keep their doors open, they're going to see an influx of hungry people. And and we've already seen that. We've already seen that. There's some churches that shut down that they'll never open again. No, not Um, at all. But the the part people forget is that as Christians, there are a number of things that are ordinances of the church that you can't do 
from online. You can't lay hands on the sick. Yeah. You can't anoint them with oil. You can't take communion. There's a whole, you can't baptize in water. There's a whole bunch of things that are considered the ordinance of the church you can't do online. Well, not only that, but do not forsake right. the assembling 10, of yourselves together, especially in these last times. No question about it. Not on Zoom, together. No. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Uh, there's power in coming together. There's, there's something to, to be said about that. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today. Chris Hubbard, love you, man. It's good to see you. Glad you're on. Uh, take a minute to share this if you haven't. Uh, got a, a powerful message for you today. As you saw in the title, uh, we're talking about five essential habits to thrive yeah. in the kingdom. Uh, God doesn't want you to try to survive. He wants you to thrive. He wants you right. to dominate uh, in the kingdom of God. And if, of course, uh, if you study the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray like this. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means that he was going to empower his people to uh, manifest the will of God on the earth in the same way that it's taking place in heaven. So in order to do that, you've got to be able to dominate, you know, dominate the forces of darkness that are trying to hold back the agenda of God. Yeah. You know, and that's why I love um, where it talks about in the New Testament, first John, that we've already come overcome the spirits and agents of antichrist because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But then you come to the realization that although the greater one lives in every believer, they've not learned how to activate the power they have. They've not learned how, and some haven't even matured to the place true. where they can activate the power that they have. That frustrated Paul, the apostle. He was like, can we move on from the elementary teachings yeah. of salvation? Can we, yeah. can I stop giving you milk and start Hebrew giving you six, some meat? Yeah. And so um, we, we understand that there's people at different levels, no question. But that's why I have my friend here today, because one of the things that's on his heart, that's strongly been on his heart is really the power of discipleship. Yeah. And I tell you, one of the things that I'm realizing, I'm gonna throw it to you, but one of the things I'm realizing is there's a whole lot of people that don't understand We've, we've put a lot of uh, priority in making converts instead right. of making disciples. Yeah. And Jesus didn't call us to make converts. He called us to make disciples of all nations. And there is a difference, by the way, between a convert and a disciple. A thousand percent true. And that's the issue is we see a lot of, a lot of hands raised on a Sunday morning. But what happens after that? That's not the finish line. That's the starting point. Starting point. That is like you are now on the starting point and the flag is waving to go. Yep. And unfortunately, a lot of churches, and I think this is a lot of the churches that won't make it, are ones that never focused on, on creating disciples because there's no foundation. And when the struggle came, when the strife came, it's like we found out a lot of people were built on sand and not on the stone. Right. A lot of people didn't have that strong foundation. Right. And that's the point of discipleship is to create that strong foundation, to be learned, to be an apprentice of God. Mm -hmm. So when any of these things are coming your way, it doesn't matter what it is. You know your God, you know his promises, you know who you are. And there's no turning you off. There's no stopping you. But this is the key. I, I, I believe that the key is discipleship. I and believe it too. I don't think it happens um, only and solely from a pulpit. I think that there's a lot of discipleship and does come through preaching. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also a lot of community. It's a lot of groups. Sure. It's a lot of one-on-one. -on -one, it's a lot of watching things like this. Well, the other it, thing is you better have a system. You do need you better a system. have a system to disciple people. Hundred percent. I mean, think about this. How would you, as a, I mean, you, you're a, a very effective pastor. 
How would you respond to this? I was at a church one time preaching. We had an altar call. People got saved. They came to the altar, gave their heart to Jesus. And then once the altar call was done and we said, amen, kind of looked around, there was nobody, but the people just kind of went back to their seats. So when we went to lunch, kind of talking to the pastor said, Hey, notice that there was really nobody that engaged those yeah. new believers, whatever. Nobody talked to them after, you know what his answer was? He said, Oh, if they're meant to be here, they'll come back. Oh my goodness. That was his answer about the new believers that had come to the altar. That's wild. But nobody, like your job doesn't even do that. No. You know, like, Hey, show up to work. Good luck, buddy. You wanted the job. Right. Here you are. And you don't know when you're supposed to come, what you're supposed to do, how to log in, how to right. anything. Your job doesn't even Imagine do Imagine if you treated your babies like that. Like you had a baby. It's a new, it's a new birth. A it's lot a of new, people do. And you said, hey, you know what? Throw them in the woods. Hey, if they're meant to come to us, they'll come back to the house. They'll come eat. They'll, you know, I'll ring the dinner bell. They'll come to dinner. No, you know, it's horrible. If they're supposed to be my child, you know, they'll come back. It's like nobody even treats... You know, we're, the spiritual realm is the only place people treat treat this like this. Yeah, it's wild. And, and honestly, the Lord really convicted me and showed me a, a number of years ago that that if a banker or a, a anybody if, if somebody who's not in the kingdom is going to work extremely hard for money right you know if they're going to give their life 60 70 80 90 hours a week to w make more money right i'll never let them outwork me for, right. souls, for souls in the kingdom yeah. which are so much more valuable mm -hmm. And, and I think that this is the problem we see is a lot of churches don't have a system. A lot of people don't have a system. Yep. And therefore, there's a lot of converts or there's a lot of hands raised, but there's not a lot of disciples. And when we're built on disciples, it's explosive in growth. That's exactly and, right. And people want to see explosive growth in the kingdom, but they fail to realize like the deeper people can grow, yeah. the more they can go higher, the, high, the more they can do. We, we try to do... We had one guy come in and he said, he's, we are changing up our church structure. He said, you guys' problem is you're trying to put elephant skin on a mouse skeleton. Interesting. And I was thought. like, oh my gosh, that, that is wild. Mm -hmm. And the reality is a lot of that's the same with Christianity. We're, we're expecting people to do this and this and this and this, but that foundation's never been built. Right. That foundation is not there. And it's our job to equip, to bring to maturity, to bring to unity. Yep. And if our discipleship isn't equipping, bringing to maturity or bringing to unity, then I don't know what we're building. Right. Well, you think of it this way, like if for those of you that are kind of like, okay, well, what, what does that mean? What is discipleship? Yeah. Think of it this way, most practical way. A disciple is an individual who emulates the disciplines of his master. That's good. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's all a disciple is. It's, it's an uh, apprentice. It, it's an apprentice. It's someone who emulates the disciplines of his master. Yeah. You know, I, I wrote in the new book, um, I was talking about the fact that like everyone knows who Bruce Lee is but almost nobody knows who Ip Man is. But I have no Ip, idea. Ip Man was the, the great um, Kung Fu master in China that trained Bruce Lee. Okay. And like was undefeated, nobody could stop him. I mean, he was, there's like four movies out on him now, but like nobody knew who he was. <laughs> uh, but, but Ip Man was the guy that when, even when he was younger, he was full of pride. And his, yeah. his buddy was like, uh, I got a Kung Fu master staying at my house with my dad. He's like, well, I'm gonna come over and see him. Cause he was like in, in like high school and he was so full of pride he came over and he met the man Good. and immediately challenged the man to a duel like to fight and <laughs> the man like whipped him instantly yeah and he, and he came back he said i want another round and he went again guy whipped him again instantly until he found out that the man he was challenging was actually his master's master and then he it humbled him 
And he came back and said, like, I don't know anything. I need to train with you. I need to take on your disciplines to be as great as you. Wow. And when he humbled that's himself so to good. take the disciplines of his master's master, when he found yeah. out that's the guy that trains your master, yeah. he came back and was like, man, then he became the guy that had all these schools in China. Everyone came to him to train. And Bruce Lee came out of him. Everyone knows Bruce Lee, but he was emulating the disciplines of his master, it man. That's it. And that's the key is that the disciples, all they did was emulate the, the disciplines of Jesus. Right, hundred percent. All of their people that came out of them. Yeah. Here's here's what I'm, I'm going to give this to you because he's going to give you today. Now this is powerful. He's going to give you five areas that we all need to look at. And we're going to give you a bonus one at the end, but five areas that we need to look at when it comes to discipleship. But this blew my mind. I'd never seen it in this way until I wrote this book on fasting. Is that Paul was telling the churches? He said, even when I can't be with you. Of course, we know he said yeah, twice, right? You. Uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's right. Look at me, look at my life and emulate it. Pray like I pray, study like I study, right. preach like I preach. But then he said this, which I had never seen in this light. Paul said, when I can't be with you, I'm going to send my son Timothy to you, to the churches, to teach you how to live like I live. That's what he said, to teach you how to live like Powerful. I live. Because you know, the, the reason I came across that is that there's a bunch of people that said, well, you know, fasting is not for New Testament believers because Paul wrote all those letters yeah. to the churches and never wrote on fasting. But we know that in the book of Acts, Paul fasted multiple times. Yes, he did. Then he said, I'm going to teach you to live like I live. So he did believe in it and he yeah. did teach the churches. But when I saw the fact that he was sending his own disciple to teach the other churches to live like he lived, it's a, an exercise in discipline. Pray like I pray. That's what yep. Jesus was saying to his disciples. He said, you can't cast thing. out demons because you don't pray like I pray. Yeah, that's good. You know, so, so it, it really is. It's a powerful thought that we have to get these disciplines down and mature in the body. If we're going to have success, if we're going to explode, how do you think Christianity exploded through the earth? Obviously yeah. it's because they were teaching them to live in such a way, which we'll get into that caused Christianity yeah. to explode. Look, it, it took off quicker than like the hottest MLM, you know, it right. took off faster than Monet or any of those other things faster than herbal life. It took off faster than anything else, but they like, he started the same, he started with 12 right? and then his 12, just imagine Seven. 12, create 12 and then yep. 12, create 12. And it's explosive in its growth because it's not just looking at how far can we go, but it's also how deep can we go? Well, I'll give you this before you get into these five. This blew my mind. Dr. White tweeted this this week. You remember during that time where Nero was killing all the Christians, yeah, right? With his nightlights. Yeah, Nero wanted to take out all Christians. You yeah. say that in Christian history. He was, he was just killing them, left, right, throwing them to wild lions and they were in, you know, everything. In Rome, Colosseums filled, yeah. killing Christians in front of people. And uh, you think in a time when Christianity would die out no, and that it, it would like, it, it exploded. But then he said this, you know, he tried to erase Christianity, mm -hmm. but Dr. White just tweeted. He said, there are more Christians alive on the earth today than there were people in Nero's day. Wow. More wow. than the population of the earth in Nero's day are Christians in 2021. And he tried to wipe Christianity off the map, but the disciplines of the master caused it to explode throughout the earth. That and they couldn't crazy. stop it. Wow. That's impressive. It is impressive. That's impressive. It's supernatural. Shoo. Because of discipleship, though. Discipleship. Not because people were just trying to build a massive church. And here's what I found. When we try to build massive churches or massive things, it's shallow. And it, and it doesn't go far. But when you build big people, when you disciple people, it has no other choice but to grow. Right. 
at the end of the day, if you are a disciple, there's no other choice but to grow. And, and that's by adding other people. And I really took, uh, I mean, I, I'm not even fully an adult yet. I turned 30 finally this year. <laughs> but, uh, dude, I took like a bunch of time and I was reading through the Gospels. And I'm a pastor's kid. I've, I've missed, what, 10 services my whole life. Right. And they're all because Mindy made me skip them. Right. To go to prom. <laughs> to go right. to prom. Yeah, I had to sign like special paperwork for someone <laughs> over 21 to come to my prom. <laughs> but, but honestly, taking time in the Gospels and then seeing everything as a pastor's kid and realizing, man, there's some serious problems. And, and taking time and realizing what did Jesus do? What did he invest into his people? What, did he, what were big things for him? And really, I, I pulled these out. Um, and, and I, I believe if we can address them in our life, then we're not only going to be followers of Jesus who thrive. We're not only going to be people of victory, people of power, mm -hmm. but we're going to create the same people. And that's where we are as the church is we need to create more people of power, more people yeah. of the Bible, right. more people that emulate the master. And his name is Jesus. Yep. And, and as we do that, it's going to just continue to explode to new levels. Right. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what the news thinks. It doesn't matter what what atheists believe, if we can simply commit as believers of Jesus to create disciples, mm -hmm. then, then the kingdom of God is going to continue to explode. I agree. And, and I'm excited about it. Well, there's already people that know your ministry in the comment section saying, could you please share the link for Pastor Cody's book, Built? And uh, a lot of this content we're going to be talking about today uh, is in his brand new book, Built. You can get it today at CodyRSpencer.com. That's it. Built the five foundations of discipleship that will make or break you. Um, and you need to grab this. So it's available in paperback. You can even, uh, if you're out of the country and you're in another uh, territory, you can always get it on Amazon.com yeah. in yep. any territory where you live. And the ebook's available yeah, as well, yep. right? So on Kindle or Apple Books. Oh, I forgot Apple Books. At Kindle. See, he saved on me. On Kindle. So you, if you need to get it on Kindle, wherever you are in your territory, you might be watching from another country, you probably yep. are, grab it on Kindle. Uh, and then if you're in the United States and you'd like to get the paperback, uh, you can order at Cody R. Spencer or Amazon, wherever you are in the world. This book will bless you. And um, I believe this is something that will not only transform your church and ministry, but you personally. Uh, and I'm telling you, you need to grab it. So, uh, in the book, you really deal with these, these areas or these topics where it will cause a believer to be, um, fortified and strengthened in order to go from, uh, it's almost like being in the nest waiting for a worm to be given yeah. to you to like out there hunting and doing like what you're called to do, yeah. uh, accomplishing your purpose. And, um, you know, it's, it, it does take maturity because some of these things are, are, are not easy for people to hear, no. but they need to be said. That's yeah. what discipleship is. A hundred percent. If you can't work through the first chapter, then, th then you're, you're really not going to wor work through the rest of it. And th that's why I think we're in one of the biggest issues. I've seen a lot of churches teach the biggest thing is your purpose. Mm -hmm. Live your purpose, live your purpose, live your purpose. But then something happens and it doesn't go the way that they thought it would. And that they just give up on God. Like, well, if my purpose isn't this, then I don't know what it is. They're, essentially, God wasn't their God. Their purpose was their God. I've seen people treat education like their God, where they're, oh, I'm just going to need to know, know more and more and more of the word. And it's so important to know more and more and more of the word. But they found something they disagreed with in their heart from mm -hmm. what they learned from culture. And because they didn't have a Lord, what'd they do? 
they either wrote that off and now they're living completely sacrilegious, not following scriptures, but following themselves. Um, I, I've seen people over the years think that just laying hands on everybody is, 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 is their God. And that's not true. And when we fail to have like the key foundation, the first foundation of lordship, then we're never going to create disciples. We're going to find things that offend us. Right. We're going we're gonna to think that we fell short and God doesn't love us anymore. And we're out. We're gone. Right. And I, I've seen so much of it. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it Whether is. it be uh, that, that person who's been in the kingdom for 60 years and they get mad because someone took their seat three weeks in a row and no one's going to take my seat and then they're gone. Like, what right. is that? Yeah. How is that? It's not maturity. It's, yeah. it's, it's they didn't actually have a Lord. So that's if you're watching. The first habit, the first key that you need to put in the comments, number one is lordship. Everything uh, yeah. is based upon the foundation of lordship. Jesus Christ, he's not yeah. just your savior, yeah. he's your Lord. And there's a big difference between there the two. There is a giant difference between the two. Like Jesus himself looked at, his, at, at the people following, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Mm -hmm. but you don't do the things I ask you to do. That's Luke 6, 46. Yeah, Luke 6, 46. And I don't know if there's a clearer way to say this is the desire of our God is to not just say, oh, I have a Savior, but is to genuinely have a Lord. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the Apostle Paul. I think Paul is, is just the best. And he said it like this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And we, we know this, right? We've probably said this a million times. You probably read this a thousand times. You probably heard it on this broadcast a thousand times. But there's a true revelation in that that many people say, but they don't actually get in their heart. That it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Paul was saying, there's an exchange of ownership in my life. I don't own my life. I don't run my life. I don't, I don't operate life how I want to operate life. It's not my life anymore. I've surrendered it to a Lord who has my best intentions. And this is such a powerful thing that we also need to realize that he doesn't just want to be our savior, but he also is our Lord. And when we just treat him as savior and we don't build in lordship, then there will be something that offends us out of the kingdom. There will be something that, that, that is more, more attractive eventually. There will be something that, or maybe we just get bored with Christianity because you don't have a Lord, you only have a savior. And the savior is the starting point. I, I think it's, it's, it, it is the starting point. But what we find is, man, this, this, this idea of lordship was something that Jesus definitely established. If you look all the way back to Luke chapter 5, verse 3, we find that, that Peter was fishing. And as Peter's fishing, they, well, he's cleaning his nets out, right? Jesus comes up. He preaches a message. We don't know what he preached. I wish I knew what he preached. I, I would love to have known what Jesus preached. And Peter's cleaning out the nets. He'd been out all night. And he says, hey, I want you to push out and I want you to throw your nets again. And Peter looks at him. He's like, look, I fished all night. Mas he said, master, I fished all night. But nevertheless, 
at your word I will. And this word master is such an amazing key because he wasn't even following Jesus as a full-on disciple at this point, but he recognized based upon what he preached that he wasn't just a savior, but he was a master. And to follow him as master will always bring a blessing in your life. People hear the word lordship and they get nervous, they get scared. Because for some reason we think that God's gonna let us down. For some reason we think that God doesn't have enough for us, that we are enough for us. And I don't know, I've let myself down more than enough to realize I need a Lord in my life that's not me. But, but this is such a powerful thing that they cast their nets and they start pulling up so many fish that the nets are ripping and they have to bring their friends around them. Why did this happen? It happened because he didn't give an excuse he didn't have an offense because he said, hey, I know you fished all night. And he didn't throw a fit about it, but he said, master, at your word, I'm going to follow it. Now, you got to imagine, Peter was a fisherman. He knew what he was doing. He had been, this was his lifestyle. And Jesus was a carpenter. He had, he could have written him off for so many different reasons, but he didn't. He recognized that he was master and it brought such great blessing to his life because he, he literally declared him as Lord. And then you go far, farther into the Gospels, and you find in Matthew chapter 16, 16 and 17, Jesus is out. He's like, well, well, who am I? Who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're the Christ. Some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Elijah. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter responds. He says, you're the Christ the son of the living God. And he says, hey, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has. And I believe that lordship is, is honestly the greatest foundation for us to build upon because when we're built on lordship, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what other people are saying. It doesn't matter what we feel. It doesn't matter if someone offends us. It doesn't matter if things don't work perfectly how you had imagined them. What matters is that you have a Lord and you are safe, you're secure, you, you have purpose. And inside of that, you are absolutely set. And I, I genuinely believe that Lordship is the most important thing in terms of discipleship, because without totally. it, we have nowhere to go but to offense and away from the kingdom. Well, when you think of it this way too, like once you come into the kingdom, your life is not your own, as you said. Yeah. I like what Paul taught, and people have misunderstood this because uh, it's kind of been translated improperly in some of, some translations of the Bible. But Paul said more than once, I'm a slave of Christ. That's right. And we look at slavery this from the negative aspect of what we've seen in American history yeah. and culture and around the world. But that's not really what Paul was saying, nor was it what John the Revelator was saying when he said, I'm a slave of Christ. Yes. And I write this to the slaves of Christ. It actually is the Greek word doulos, this which means bond servant. Yeah. And a bond servant was different than a slave. So for example, in Bible times, let's say you um, owed somebody something and you had to work off your debt as, a, as, a, as their slave. A bond servant was different. So let's say that I finally worked all my debt off, but in the time being a slave to your family, working for your family, I fell to love your family. That's right. I love your family so much that here's what these people would do, a doulos, a bondservant. Yep. They would say, you know what? After these four years working for your family, I love you guys so much, I'm actually going to pledge my life to stay with you for the rest of my life now. And they became part of the family. So what they would do, and this was given in the Old Testament, they would take them outside the house, they would take them to the front door, That's right. they'd put their ear out and they'd put a, a nail through the earlobe into the front door of the house and it was marking them, you are now 
part of the family. You're a bond servant. Not because you have to be here. You've chosen to be here because you love us. And when, when Paul was dealing with that, he said, I'm a bond servant. I'm a do loss. I'm yeah. someone who loves Christ so That's much. It. I'm staying with him for the rest of my life. I choose to let him tell me what to do. I choose to let him be my Lord. And then what happens? And of course we could, we could talk about the fact that John, the revelator who said, I am a bond servant of Christ writing to the bond servants. Uh, if you look at him at the last supper, where's he at? He's put his yeah, head his or head his down. ear on the breast yeah. of Christ, who is the door. He put his ear on the door, the, the way, the truth, and the life, and then became the revelator, the one who had That's right. to be, who's able to hear from heaven uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is someone who chooses. So I've said it this way for a bunch of years now. A, a, a savior requires thanks. Yes. But a Lord requires obedience. That's right. And that's big because just because someone saves your life from a tragedy doesn't mean you have to obey them for the rest of your life. They're your savior, but they're That's not right. your Lord. That's right. But when somebody's your Lord, then that, that requires obedience. Christ mm -hmm. requires obedience, which yeah. is what he was bringing out in uh, Luke six forty six. You say I'm your Lord, but I don't think it's true because you don't <laughs> obey what I tell you to do. Yeah. What's going on? Same with, um, if you look at it in uh, John 14, 21, he's saying those who have my commandments and obey them yes. are the ones who love me. That's right. And because they love me. I will actually, and that's, by the way, there's Pastor Allen. That yeah. was his message that I was referencing. Pastor Allen Meshagan uh, preached that message on the bondservant uh, and right. shared that revelation with me. Powerful, powerful message. And he's a powerful preacher. You can check him out, Full Turn Church. But one of the things that uh, strikes me is that we don't have a choice. That's why the Bible says your life is not your own. I'm yeah, bought with bought a price. price. I'm not my own. I don't belong to me. I belong to Christ. That's it. And if I belong to him, if he bought me, then I have no choice as his disciple, but to yeah. obey his word. Well, even like, so you, you brought up John 14, 21. Mm -hmm. If you rewind that a little bit to John 14, 15, yeah. if you love me, keep my commandments. This, this is, this is it right here is if you love me, keep my commandments. And a lot of people think that it's, it's saying like, keep my commandments, keep my commandments. Keep, and it's true. That is the command. Keep my commandments. But it flows from a position of love. If you don't truly, genuinely love the Lord, then Absolutely. there will be no long-term obedience. That's right. And when you recognize how much Christ has done for us, then everything shifts and changes, right? Like while we were still yet sinners, Christ mm -hmm. died for us. Mm -hmm. Before we were ever on this earth, he formed us, he planned us, he knew us. Right. And, and when we recognize the love that saved us, it's easy to love him back. And yeah. you want to keep those commandments. A lot of people hear lordship and they think, they think old religion, right? They right. think, well, I, they think legalism. Well, I got to wear my skirt down to cover my ankles. Mm -hmm. I can't wear makeup, no tattoos, no this, no this, no this. But at the end of the day, lordship truly genuinely only flows from love yeah. or else it's not lordship it, because that's the difference of a bond servant and a genuine slave, a genuine slave norm hates their, their master. master. They yeah. just got to follow what their master says, right. but a bond servant loves their master enough to change, to, to go at whatever they said to go at because they mm -hmm. trust them. They believe in them. They know that the best interest is in mind. Right. And they, they've realized that by giving my life up, I've right. found it. I would say it this way. If you put it in the comments section, it's a good way to remember it. Slavery is based on domination, Yeah. but bond servant is based on love. That's good. Based on love. That's so good. Uh, you look at the Old Testament people of God. They were in slavery, 
Yeah. And God was mad about it. So angry. I was talking about this yesterday. He was so angry that he could have just let Moses and Aaron talk to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And then Pharaoh could have let him go. Yeah. God said, I'm going to let you ask him to let you go and then harden his heart so that he doesn't. So I can slap him and then yeah. slap him again and then yeah. slap him again. And by that time, I love this because by the time God was done with Pharaoh, he didn't just destroy, but he took out all of Egypt, took their crops out. Yes. The Nile River they were so proud of. Yeah. He took it all out, took their, even their generations that would go after them. That's yeah. how angry God was about slavery, but then he established, establishes a bond servant. Right. And what's so cool about it is if you read in the Old Testament, a lot of people think that Old Testament was only laws and rule, right? But if you actually check out Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9, you realize that this was the, this has always been the commandment, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So when Jesus reiterated this in Mark 12, 30 and 31, he, it wasn't a new commandment, right. as a lot of people read this. He was reiterating what had been the chief commandment the entire time, and that's to love God with everything that you have. And when you love God with everything that you have, it's natural that you're going to obey and follow those regulations because true love, every single example of true love has guidelines and regulations. Like I love my mom. I'm not going to slap her in the face. Why? Because I love her. You don't have to convince me to not slap her. I'm not going to do it under any circumstance because I love her. I'm not going to cheat on my wife. Why? Because I love her. And there's, 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 there's boundaries that have always been based in love. And some people have have tried to force them as religion and rule and law. But when you genuinely love the Lord, when you, when you love your Lord, obedience is the natural response to his expectations. It, it doesn't have to be hard. It, it's, not, it's not tricky. And actually, like, I saw this question a while ago. I'm not sure who, who gets credit for the quote. I'm sure someone will find it on Google. But, but the question is, if he's not Lord of all, is he Lord at all? And I saw that. I was like, oh, dang. Oh, dang. Yeah. That's a hard question right there. <laughs> if he's not Lord of all, is he Lord at all? Mm -hmm. Because Lord, in your life. In our life. Yeah. 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 If he's not the Lord of all of my life, then he's not the Lord, Lord at, at all, all in, in my life. life. Right. Because it, it, I think an easy analogy would be like a throne, right? Mm -hmm. There's a throne in our heart and we determine who gets it and what gets it at all times, at any moment of the day. And while I was on the throne of my life, I made a hot, stinking mess. It was not pretty. It was not good. And, and I thought that it would have been the best when I was the Lord of my life. But when I surrendered my life to Christ, when I declared him as my Lord and my Savior, what happened is that throne, the decision-making, the drive, the, the, the focus, I stepped off and put the Lord where he belonged. And the issue, though, is this is where a lot of people struggle in terms of lordship is, is when it's a tough decision, do you kick them back off the throne and get on? When, when, someone, when you're driving, and this is a hard one, right? Just easy example, when you're on the highway and someone cuts you off, are you like flipping them off on the highway, screaming at them, tailgating them, getting in front, making sure you're going real slow so they can't pass and you're blocking the exit and like you're acting a fool? Yeah. Uh, I see Tim I'm talking about, yeah, I'm talking about Brad and... It, convicted. But, but, but there's like, 
that's a moment where we decide, am I going to kick him off the throne or am I going to jump on the throne? When, when it's that, that boy or that, that man or that woman who might maybe slides up in your inbox and it's been 20 years since you talked about him and you want to rekindle that relationship. Or maybe it's that offense or maybe it, it's pride. and Well, I, I don't know why i got to follow the pastor. I could do better. And you start a church up the road out of pride, then, then what's taken the 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 seat of the throne in your heart is no longer the Lord, but it's pride. And a lot of people, I think, while we're supposed to serve Jehovah, we were released from Mehovah. We serve really a half-hovah God most of the time, where it's based on comforts and it's based on what, what fits right and what feels good in the moment. And really, if you want to have, if you want to thrive in the kingdom, it's submitting all the time as Lord. And it's a daily decision. Like, dude, think about this. Uh, we're called to be a living sacrifice, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're called to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, a living sac or a sacrifice was never living. They were, they were cut, they were drained, and they were put on. And they were presented by the kings and the, by the priests. And, and, and now in the New Testament, we are kings and priests. Mm -hmm. And we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, the only issue with the living sacrifice is when it gets too hot, they can decide to jump off or they can stay in the flames. Yeah. And, the, and the best decision you can make is to stay in the flames because it's going to purify, it's going to justify, it's going to set you apart, and God's going to be right there with you. And I, I would encourage you that you not only need a, a Savior, but you need a Lord, and this Lordship is based in love. And when things get distracting, when things look good, don't jump off that altar. Stay on that, stay on that as a living sacrifice, and, and you'll find as you have a Lord, you're only going to excel to a greater level every single time. Think about this. Uh, a great picture, type and shadow of this in the Old Testament would have been Isaac with, with Abraham. Oh, yeah. Because they say, scholars Powerful. say that at that time, uh, Abraham would have been close to 133 yeah. and Isaac would have been about 33, about the age of Jesus. Yeah. And they go up that mountain and, and Isaac knows there's no lamb, there's no goat, there's no bull. They get to the top, they yeah. build the altar together. And then that means Isaac, I've never met a 33-year-old man that couldn't take a 133-year-old man. Can't break his hip. Right. But notice, Isaac laid himself down on the altar. Yeah. He was currently a living sacrifice because he was saying, not only does my dad believe that if I am killed, that God will give him back because how else would God's promise be fulfilled? That he'd be the father of many nations if he's the father of no sons. Yeah, that's good. And so that was Isaac saying, if my dad takes me out, I believe God will raise me back up. Abraham had to believe if I obey the Lord and sacrifice my son, he'll raise him back up. Otherwise, how can I be the father of many nations? That's but good. Isaac, rather than fighting, made himself a living sacrifice and laid down yeah. on that altar. And, and his father over him with the knife. You imagine that. Willing. Not running from the sacrifice, yeah. not running from the altar, not, but literally laying yourself down on the altar. That's what the Bible's teaching in the New Testament. And what people don't recognize is, is that the way to lay yourself down on the altar in the New Testament is to obey the commands That's of right. Christ. That's right. That's how you lay yourself down. What it is, the knife. This, the Bible says that this word yes. is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible says this is the sword of the spirit, which is the Good. word of the Lord. When you lay yourself down, this is literally cutting That's right. off of you all things that don't belong. 
So when you humble yourself, because the word says humble yourself, this word just cut pride out of your life. It cut pride off of you. When you, when you start to walk in love, instead of holding grudges and unforgiveness, this, this word just cut unforgiveness out of your life. It just cut uh, anger. It just cut when you choose to have peace that passes all understanding, by the way, all of the fruit of the spirit are choices. They don't automatically happen. As you know, when you choose to have peace that passes all understanding, it means it cuts worry and anxiety out of your life. This word will cut depression out of your life. When you lay yourself on the altar, you're actually obeying God's word. This knife, this sword is cutting off of you what God never wanted to be on you in the first place. And then you become the pure sacrifice that the Lord wants you to be. And then what does the Bible say? Paul taught this to Timothy, that when you choose to purify yourself, you become a vessel of gold and silver that can be used in any circumstance. Second Timothy 2.20. For the Lord's purposes. Yeah. Only way to do that. And no, I love this. We dealt with it in the fasting book. I, I noticed this for the first time in this way, that it's never God's responsibility to purify you. It's personal. He said, purify yourself. Yes. Purify yourself. Mm-hmm. So that means every believer's got the responsibility to purify themselves. I agree. And it's a, it's, a, it's a personal decision, and it's not a one-time decision it's either. It's a daily decision. It, That's I why. don't even know if it's daily. I think it's momentary. Uh, hour, it's, hourly. it's like, when I walk out of here, am, is he going to be the Lord when I get in the car in my next actions? Well, it's like Paul said that he crucified his flesh on a daily basis, That's 1 right. Corinthians 9.27. That's right. He said, I have to put my flesh under daily so that after having preached to others, I'll not become yes. disqualified. Bro, that's good. You that's can it, be, though. You can be disqualified by refusing to purify yourself. Yep. And I think really the same question remains to us that Jesus asked his disciples, well, well, who do you say that I am? Of course. And that's that daily question. Who do you say that I am? Mm-hmm. Or am I your Lord in this day, in this moment? Or am I just going to be your savior and you're mm-hmm. going to bench on getting to heaven? Right. And I just, I love Luke 9, 23, 24, and 25, but 24 is great because it, it literally says like, if you desire to gain your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll surely find it. And I think a lot of people are scared that, that God might not be what he's promised, that maybe their dad wasn't what he promised. Maybe they've been hurt by other people and that trust issue is a thing, but I'm telling you, he's not a man that he can lie. Mm -hmm. He's not going to leave you out for less. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to abandon you. He's there with you at all times. Mm -hmm. He cannot lie. Right. So if he cannot lie, if he's said he's going to be with us, if he said that we're going to find our life by losing it, then having a Lord has every benefit for us mm-hmm. that we're actually looking for on our own. Yeah, because as we said before, think about the fact that the one who, you know, obviously Pharaoh didn't have good plans for the Israelites. No, he was, was not a loving Lord or taskmaster. Yeah, he had plans to drive them harder, beat them, give them less resources and make them produce more. Beat them into... But see, when you look at God, who is love, the Bible yeah. says, God is love, 1 John, that you understand that his plans for you are good plans yeah. to help you. As Jesus said in uh, Matthew 7, he's a loving heavenly father who gives good gifts to those that ask him. That's right. When you realize his nature, it's not hard. That's when you get over to Ephesians where it says, husbands, uh, love your wives, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. See, it's not hard to submit yourself to somebody that loves you a lot. That's right. It's not hard to submit yourself to somebody who only wants good things for you and shows you good things and and respects you and and puts you first. Because he said this, husbands love your wives as Christ Christ loved the church church and gave himself for her. 
Meaning that the kind of love that we're submitted to is a love that it's a, it's a, a, a selfless love, a giving love. That's, I can submit myself to Jesus. He gave himself for that's me. Right. And so you understand that that's why they're paralleling that in Ephesians, because uh, you understand the kind of love you're submitted to always is a selfless love. That's right. Jesus was literally willing. And you think about how powerful this is at any moment. That's why he had to stay silent through his trial because there was so much power in his words. He spoke one thing to the guards in the garden of Gethsemane. They all fell out. He didn't yeah. even need to pull a sword. Yeah. He just blew them all away with a word. He literally, the Bible <laughs> says if, if he wanted, he could have called a legion of angels would have come on the cross and delivered him. Yep. But the reason he stayed silent because his word was so powerful, he was being selfless. If I speak, my word is too much for this crucifixion. I'm going to stay silent because I love them. He, he only had seen you through the tunnel of time and loved you yep. enough to stay silent. Selfless. Yeah. Oh, Hebrews says that he, he counted the cost with joy. Mm -hmm. The joy set before, set before him, him yeah. is why he did it. That's right. And it's interesting because when we can sacrifice and give our life to the Lord out of the joy that's set before us, not of the out of the redundancy or the difficulty, because he, it's not difficult. His yoke is easy. His burden, burden is light. light. Following Jesus and having him as your Lord is easy because that's what we were created to do. We weren't created to be the Lord of our own life. That's why our world is what it looked like. That's why our life used to look like what it looked like, because we were never designed to be our Lord. We were designed to have a Lord and a Savior who loves us, who died for us, who has the best intentions for us, who planned our lives not to, to prosper. He planned them to prosper. He made you with good works in mind. He, he made you complete in himself. And that's what God has for us. And that's what God has to do for us. And I believe that having a Lord is honestly the most important thing. Because if you have a Lord, everything else comes into order. Yeah. Everything else comes into line. When you don't have a Lord, everything can be out of order and out of line. It goes to chaos. Yeah. He is that, that foundation that we build on. If you're talking about, where is it? Matthew chapter 7 talks about being built on the sand or built on the rock. In terms of being built on the sand, if you're not built with the foundation of, dis, uh, of lordship and discipleship, then it's all sand. And eventually something's going to happen where it comes down. And that's not Jesus's intention for your life. I don't want to see that in the kingdom anymore. Right. There's been too much of it. And it's not a sexy topic, but it's a topic that's so important that lordship is absolutely vital and important and and. It's the best thing you could do yeah. is to give your life away to the Lord. I know you don't have, we don't necessarily have time to cover all of the topics. You guys got to get this book. Uh, it's called Built. It's available right now on Amazon. It's available for your Kindle devices. You can get it in the U.S. at CodyRSpencer.com. You can see it on the screen. You got to get this, man. This book will help you. It's the five foundations uh, of discipleship that will make you or break you. You got to get it. Uh, but we're kind of covering that. We really wanted to focus on that, that subject of lordship, but what their appetite a little bit on these, these other four that are, I mean, I know you don't have time to hit them all like we did yeah. lordship, but just kind of what their appetite, because I want people to understand. And then we're going to, we want to kind of give you a bonus topic here yeah. at the end. But, uh, once he is your Lord, then you truly are able to step into your purpose. A hundred percent. If you, if you follow it, Matthew four nineteen, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he's talking to fishermen. He said, what you've been doing. I'm going to take and I'm going to give it heavenly purpose. I'm going to give it purpose that really skyrockets and it, it, it's a heavenly purpose. And that's what's next. I believe a lot of people have tried to build, build, 
build build off purpose, but that's a that's a, a sandy foundation. The greatest foundation you can have is lordship. But once you have lordship, he really starts to implement your purpose. And, and look, a lot of people, if, if you were to ask maybe today, well, well, what do you do? A lot of people would say, well, I'm a plumber or I'm a doctor or I'm a pastor. Or, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. But at the end of the day, that's not what we are first. That's our secondary. That's mm-hmm. what we do, but that's not really fully who we are or what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. Every single person is purpose for the same thing, and that's to create disciples. Yeah. And I love how Jesus looked at, his, at, at these guys. He said, follow me. I want you to abandon everything else. He didn't say, follow me. I'll be back on Sunday morning. That was not the right. call of heaven. That was not the call of Jesus. Follow me, and I'll be back for Sunday morning. You can come to Sunday school at 9 and regular service at 10, <laughs> and that's being a disciple. That was not the call. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And this is a promise. He said, I will make you. Yeah. It's not, hey, maybe you'll get there. Maybe maybe you, you'll fall in, into it on accident. His promise was, if you follow me, I will make you into something that you're currently not. Amen. And, and maybe you're sitting here, well, I, I don't know what I could do for God. I'm not sure if, I'm, if I have these great abilities, and I have this, and I have this, and I have this. That's not what it is. You have a promise from heaven that you'll be made into a fisher of men. And it, it's, it, it's funny that he was saying this to fishermen because they had been out there casting their nets. Sometimes they won big, sometimes they didn't. They might have had hard nights, they might have had easy nights. But the, the reality was he took what they had already been doing and he now threw a heavenly purpose on it where you're going to be a fisher of men. So look, you might be a doctor, but your purpose is not just to help other people. Your purpose is to see signs, wonders, and miracles in those rooms so you can lead people to Jesus. We have a doctor in our church. He's an ER doctor, and I, he, he lays hands on people consistently when he's in there. Um, Pastor Obi's wife, Tara, she, she works in, in, the, in the hospital. She's consistently laying hands on people. And we have people in the church because they got healed, they got saved, they got told about Jesus while they were there. So look, you might be a plumber. Your, your biggest job is not to fix someone's plumbing, but it's to make sure that they know there's a Lord who loves them and died for them, and there's a way to heaven through it and for it. You might be a stay-at-home mom. Your job is not just to raise your children, but it's to, it's to raise your children to be fishers of men. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people, man, they're like, well, I, I don't have any purpose. I've messed up. I've done this. I have no skills. I have no talents. And and look, just if, if you're listening to this, take a deep breath real quick. Just if you still have life, God still has purpose for you here on this earth. Mm-hmm. He didn't mess up. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't make you just to be here. He made you with a purpose from heaven to yeah. impact this world. And it, it might be different than other people. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. John 15, it says it like this. It says, and you will make... And you will create disciples, proving that you, you, you are my disciple. You'll, you'll bear much fruit, proving that you're my disciple. That much fruit is so relative to your call and your purpose. Ted's much fruit is different than my much fruit. And my much fruit is different than, than Brad's much fruit. But we're all called to produce much fruit. And it's by living inside of our purpose. If you try to live someone else's purpose, man, that's not anointed of God. He needs you exactly where you are, exactly how he created you to be. Not to try to fake something, not to try to produce something that's not what he's called you to be, but to be exactly who he called you to be in purpose. And that's the goal. It, it, he, 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 they had a Lord, and then they were given purpose. Their Lord was not their purpose. Mm-hmm. Their Lord was Jesus. 
And then the purpose was introduced next. Yeah. And I, I think it's so important to realize that as believers, we all have purpose. Every single believer has purpose. Everybody can't be a pastor. Everybody can't be an evangelist. Like, right. wh- who's going to be a part of the church then? Right, exactly. Who's going to be a doctor? Who's going to be a plumber? Who's going to be a, a, a mom? Who's... But then they're all doing the work of an evangelist. And that's the key. Even though they don't stand in that office, they do the work. Like Paul told Timothy, who was a pastor. Yeah. But he said, do the work of an evangelist. How important it is it once a believer comes into the kingdom for them to become educated in the things of God? It, it's so vital. And I, I love it because Jesus goes from Matthew four nineteen, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then we have literally Matthew 5, 6, and halfway through 7. He's saying, he, it, it's the Sermon on the Mount. You're finding the Beatitudes. You're finding the Sermon on the Mount. You're, he's defining the kingdom mm-hmm. to them and educating them on, on what it is to be a true follower of Christ. You know what's sad is that like we see guys now, like uh, most recently and probably most famously, uh, was the, uh, the singer there from Hawk Nelson. So sad, dude. That like left the faith. Yeah. Uh, because he had questions that he couldn't get answered about basic theology. Questions. And they were very basic. I, his pastor will answer for that before the Lord one so day. So sad. Because they were, they were basic theological questions. It's stuff that you could answer in five minutes if you knew, knew the word. But like literally, he was so shaken by the fact he couldn't get those questions. And he's a pastor's kid. Yeah. And couldn't get those questions answered and so left the faith. That's true. You know, a, a very well-known Christian band. I mean, that's a well-known Christian yeah. band. And, and literally left the faith and basically said, I'm not a Christian anymore um, because he, he was not properly educated doctrinally. You know, education is not something, uh, you know, to, you know, we talk about the fact right. that like God will use you where you are. God uses all people. And many of these guys were uneducated men. But look, look who God used to write pretty much the whole New Testament. Yeah. A very educated man. Very Paul educated. sat at the feet of Gamaliel who to this day is still considered one of the greatest teachers in Judaism in history. That's it. And he was his understudy. Paul was so educated. It's just that he recognized he couldn't put his faith in his human wisdom and intellect. He had to put it in the demonstration power of the Holy Ghost, he said to the Corinthians. I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's right. And so he, it's not that he wasn't educated. He was, in fact, when he was in jail, what was he asking them to bring? He said, when you come, don't just bring my cloak. And, and he said, bring my parchments, my notes yep. and my books. Why? Cause even in jail, he was still studying in jail. He was still writing. And so we can't act like it's not important. One, actually I'll break this down quickly. Cause I know we, we got yep. other things to say, but in, in the seeker sensitive church, Dude, One of the so things bad. that they've done is traded entertainment mm-hmm. for theological knowledge. And it's so true. we have very shallow messages, shallow Sad. series, uh, all this stuff. And people that are coming up in church don't even know what they believe theologically. Yeah. They don't know. They couldn't tell you, which is a, a violation, by the way, of First Peter chapter 3, where it says to be ready to give an answer. In and out. At all times for the hope that lies within you. You have to have answers. You know, which is why the guy from Hawk Come Nelson on. failed. You have to be able to give an sure. answer. You know, one of the things you attribute church growth to at your place is rock solid faith. Oh, 100%. Which is a theological class where you're yeah. learning the doctrines of scripture That's right. from a Pentecostal perspective. That's right. And what are they doing? They're training up disciples who know what they believe. Yeah. You can't always depend on your pastor to tell you. Like, if you get attacked with a sickness, or you can say, well, maybe, they, I mean, if you don't know whether or not it's from God, 
And whether or not he's teaching you a lesson, whether or not maybe you need to endure it, whatever it might be, you're going to sit there and suffer That's right. when God doesn't want you to suffer. And instead of always having to come back like spiritual welfare to your pastor, need a hand, need you to lay hands, yeah. need you to lay hands. It almost like when you read James five, that's almost like when you read it, it's almost as if he's saying, are there any sick among you beyond help for yourself? It's good. Let him call upon That's the good. elders of the church. Because when you understand the teaching of the New Testament, that we're all filled with the power of God, that every believer can lay their hands on the sick, yeah. right? And they shall recover. Right. So the key, key being, if you don't know what you believe, if you don't know the doctrines of scripture, right. Satan can lie you out of what is supposed to be yours. That's right. And so the, the key really for education, it, it's not to be overlooked. Because there's it's, people that don't know what they believe and it's devastated yeah. their lives and families. They get one question and, and they done. can't answer it. And they start to question everything that they've ever been. Yeah. Like one of the, one of the things I hate the most is like someone will say a doctrinal statement. It's like, oh, where's that found? They're like, oh, my pastor said it one time. Right. Well, that's great. But where does it Yo, say it in the scripture? Right. Like, Why can't you tell us? The young guys around me get so mad at me because they'll start talking. I'm like, all right, but what's the address? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's that found? Well, I heard uh, uh, Brother Vadi Bauckham say one time, he, this blew my mind. He was like, you know what's sad in, in our church culture? is that a young man gets really interested in the word yeah. and gets really into doctrine, really studying. And people say, oh, you must be called to be a pastor or a preacher. No. And he said, that's yeah. sad. That because somebody, a Christian, is interested in the Bible and wants so to crazy, study it, dude. they think, oh, you must be a preacher. No. No. Christians should be interested in the Bible. Yeah. We should have knowledge of the word. Just because you have knowledge of the word doesn't mean you have to be a five-fold ministry gift. Yeah. Well, dude, not only that, but like... Talk about Jewish childhood. Right. You'd, have, you'd have five books, the, the, the five books of the, their Bible memorized. The Torah. By what, 13 years old, I think yeah, it was? Yeah, you go to Hebrew school. Memorized. And you're reading in Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, well, you must be, you must be a rabbi. No, this is yeah. what we do. Yeah, no, we know the word because the word is what brings life. The word is what brings, brings light to my path. That's right. And a lamp to my feet. The word, man, it, it's... If you're not educated, you can't know his promises. Let me say it this way. Put it in the comments this way. If you're a Christian who does not know the word, you're in extreme danger. Oh, it's so true. You're in extreme danger. And shameless plug while you write that, go ahead and sign up for Miracle Word U. Yeah, you and need to do get it. some of these classes inside of you. you need Many to do people it. aren't teaching this. Many people aren't teaching good, sound, clear doctrine. Go ahead and jump on Miracle well, Word that's, You. That's the reason I said it, because I was frustrated. You know, yeah. I said, Lord, and I'm praying. I would see all these young people come to the revivals, catch on fire, want to go off to Bible school, and they go to some liberal university to study theology, come back dead. Yep. And I'm like, Lord, there's got to be a better way to keep them on fire, but learn the doctrine of scripture. He said, why don't you do something about it? That's all I got <laughs> back from the Lord. So that's when we launched Miracle Word University. So funny. Oh, and you got the, a problem? Yeah. Solve fix it. it. And so we, we launched Miracle Word U. There's now over, I think we have now five different courses in there. Yeah. It's totaling over 40 hours of teaching. That's awesome. Uh, and you can get them extremely affordable, $69 a course. We've even bundled all of them together, giving you like 28% off yeah. so you can and get them And look, involved. don't choke on the $69. Yeah, for real. That's You'll like spend as cheap that at McDonald's can... all month. You'll yeah. spend that at Starbucks all month. And this is for your spiritual life so you can truly be a disciple and a follower of Christ. Don't choke on a couple pennies to grow in Jesus. We didn't want to make something like I've seen guys say, hey, go to our online Bible school. It's only $1,500 or $2,000. I didn't want to make something that not everybody could be involved with. Yeah. But anybody can be involved with $69 it's so uh, good. for like hours and hours and hours of teaching. And you get it for every listen to audio. Yeah. Get it. It'll, yeah, get it'll it. bless you. Get it. Education is so important, dude. 
And with that comes empowerment. You have That's the empowerment it. to do what God's called you to do. Uh, and, and here's the thing, which I like about um, the way that the, the system is set up in scripture, impartation, which is why I wrote further faster. It actually understands like, it, as my dad says, if you want to have a gift, you have to sit yeah. under a gift. So meaning power is something that we all are filled with, but learning how to use it's another thing. That's it. That's it. Anybody can hold a handgun, but do you know how to fire it? Do you know how to clean it? Do you know how to load it? Do you know how to safely handle it? You know, anybody can hold one. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a miracle to hold a handgun, No. but to know how to properly use it. It's another story. And that's the same with the Holy ghost. Every believer has the Holy spirit within them, but do you know how to handle the anointing? Do you know how to operate in the anointing? Are you proficient in doing what God's called you to do? And you can become proficient. That's it. Empowerment is necessary. And Jesus did that in Matthew 10. Right. Look, right after the Sermon on the Mount, right after the Beatitudes, he looks just two and a half chapters later. He's like, hey, guys, you know what? You, you, you have a Lord. You're purposed. You, you, you have some knowledge under your belt. You know what you're going to do? You're going to go out. You're going to preach the kingdom of God. You're going to lay hands on the sick. You're going to see him recover. You're mm-hmm. going to cast out demons. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to pray for blind eyes and they're going to be opened. Mm-hmm. And he sent them out. He didn't wait. He didn't say, hey, guys, you should sit here for another 16 years and, and learn this. And, and, and I think this is one of the biggest problems in the kingdom is for some reason. And I, there's a shift even that I've seen over the last couple of years. In the past, it's always been people looking to the pulpit to do the work of the ministry. But we're all called to do ministry. Right. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to lay hands on the sick. We're not just waiting for the pastor to show up and lay hands on the sick as James five is. But, but if we are all literally doing the work of God that we are empowered to do, then there is nowhere to go, but up, there's nowhere to do nothing else to do, but to make great impact. Well, it doesn't have to be your pastor. Literally, you are empowered by the same Holy Ghost. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of you. And if he lives inside of you and you start to step into what God has empowered you to do, like imagine being that doctor and and having the words of Christ. That's phenomenal. That's great. But now also you are empowered to do miracles. You lay hands on somebody, they get healed. And now you're telling them the, the life of Jesus Christ and you're telling them about salvation. Everything changes. Absolutely. And we're, we are not only called, we're not only purposed, but we are empowered from heaven to do the works of heaven. Right. As a disciple, we emulate Christ, right? right. We're not just here to talk about Christ, but we are to emulate Christ, to live that life. Jesus said, greater works you shall do because I go to the Father in John chapter 14. And, And this is the key. When we realize that we are empowered as disciples of Christ, not just the pastor, not just the prophet, not just the evangelist, but when we as the believers are empowered to do the work of Christ, Mm -hmm. then everything starts to shift and change. And really what I've found is when you put these four things together, the natural thing is you then create disciples. Right, you're making disciples. If you look, Jesus, uh, obviously he said a lot more in in between Matthew 10 and Matthew chapter 28, but one of his next major things he did in terms of making his disciples, he said, look guys, now that I'm, I'm going to heaven, 
you are going to go and create disciples right. of all the nations. All You're going to teach them everything that I taught you. You're going to lay hands on the sick. You're going to baptize them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are going to go and create disciples now. And when you put together the fact that we have a Lord, that we have purpose, that we are, we are educated and we are empowered, naturally the next thing to happen is you create disciples. Put it in the comments. Disciples make disciples. 100%. Disciples make That's disciples. It. I want to give you a bonus because you'll not find this, I don't think, in the book uh, yet, unless there's no, yeah, a re-release. No, re we got a bonus chapter. But there's a bonus coming, but we want to give this to you before we pray, and that is this, is that disciples do need and require community. So true. They do That's need right. and require community. I like you had a, a quote, uh, lions eat lonely people. Oh, 100%. If you look at, if you look at any of the National Geographic videos or anything like that, it, pay attention. It's not always the fastest the, the, the gazelle that gets eaten. It's not the slowest gazelle. It's not the youngest gazelle. It's the gazelle that's alone that the lion eats. And I've found that, that the people that are lonely and isolate themselves are the ones that often get devoured by the enemy. Because they start to buy lies. They start to buy, buy that they're not good enough. They start to compare. They start to live outside of the kingdom. And that's why the, the Bible really commands us to oh, come yeah. together. Yeah. We're, we're, we're stronger together. And then you look all throughout the Bible. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000. That's right. And there's, if any two are on earth, two or three, I'll, you know, agree touching anything. You know, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst That's of That's right. Every time you start to read something, there's there's power in power the community yeah. of, of how, Christ. How sweet and how pleasant is when it the when brothers the brethren dwell, dwell together, together in unity. In unity. Yeah. It's likened to the anointing. <laughs> like, right. It, it's a powerful thing. You look at Genesis chapter 11, right? When right. they started to build the, the Tower of Babel. Right. They were unstoppable Even when God they knew. were together. If I don't stop, if I don't divide them, yeah. they'll do anything they put their hearts yeah. to do. I think community is so important important. Jesus had community yeah. and accountability with his guys. You look at the first church, Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 49, mm -hmm. they were together. Yep. And, uh, and they and gathered so together daily. daily. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've heard this term and I don't know if this is kind of something that was more coined as a business term or what, but in, in even to solving problems, you know, when they yeah. have teams, you hear the term, none of us is as smart as all of as us. As all of us, it's so true. None of us is as strong as all of us. Yeah. You see what I mean? Because there might be a time where the devil tries to isolate you That's and right. you're in a time of, of, of attack. Yeah. But think about the man uh, in the New Testament who was literally a quadriplegic, paralyzed, but he had him. four friends Mark who could pick Come up on. his corners of his mat and take him to That's the right. anointing. See. He couldn't have, think about this. He couldn't have got his miracle by himself. That's right. He needed his connections to get, and look at this. When he got to the house, it was already full. They couldn't even get in. Through the roof, So this is, this is what blows my See? mind. They had to go through the roof, but look, he could still not have gotten his miracle unless he had friends that were willing to go to the next level. That's it. That's so good. If your friends won't go to the next level with you, it might be time to reevaluate yeah. who your friends are. Yeah. Because if you've got people pulling you back towards the world, pulling you back towards displeasing Christ, hey, it might be time to say, hey, listen, not everybody's called to go where I'm called to That's go. That's right. And so it's, it's interesting because yeah. his friends were willing to go to the next level. Yeah. They pulled him up to the next level, That's even good, when man. he couldn't get there That's himself. Good. That's good. Community yeah. is important. Yeah. And it provides what we need, right? Nobody really loves accountability, but we need it. Well, we need, hey, what have you been doing in your word? Have right. you been reading? How was this problem that you were going through? What right. is this? When you have some accountability in your life because of community, it changes everything. Right. It, it gives encouragement. When you're... 
people that are around you enough can tell your demeanor. Sure. They can tell if you need some words of life. Yeah. They can tell if you need to get picked up. Community, man, iron sharpens iron. It, it's well, not. Look at, God created one man and said it's not enough. Yeah. That's, I mean, think that's about good. that. That's true. God created one man and said it's not enough. I got to create someone else. That's so good. And then when he was done with them, he said, now be fruitful and multiply because we need more people. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's God's way. Multiplication is God's way. The, the group is God's way. That's it. God's into growth, multiplication. Yeah. He wants to see, it blows my mind because they never stopped having it. I mean, the church just continued. Yeah. You started the book of Acts. It's the 3,000, then 5,000, then the Bible says, then multitudes, then innumerable multitudes. Yeah. That's God's it's crazy. way. crazy. Well, even look at in modern day, Young Yi Cho. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they had mass revival, but largely it was small groups that multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. Become the largest yeah. church in the world. There's a church right now, um, and they're a Baptist church. They're not even like spirit filled, but they started, this pastor went in four years ago, started with 75 small groups and four years in, they're launching 1500 full small groups and genuine discipleship is wow. what they were credited to. Yeah. And I think Really, one of the biggest issues in terms of discipleship is, is a lack of community. Uh, a lot of people make it out to be that, that the last thing maybe baptized is an American's wallet, right? It, like we see like a lot of people are not good at giving, unless you're in the Victory Tribe, because you definitely know They're good at giving. that seed time and harvest is, is for you. But I would actually think that it's not the wallet that's baptized last. I think that it's people's homes that are baptized last. Mm. The, one of the last things people give up is their home. You think about it, Americans treat their home like it's a fortress. This is where I go for my solitude. This is my private place. This is where I go where I can't be bugged. I can't be bothered. But I thought Jesus was called to be our fortress. Right. Man, if the first church met in the home daily, yeah. and, but we as Americans treat our home as a fortress and this is my solitude and this is my peace, then we have it all backwards. Mm-hmm. Our home is to be opened up for, for the community of God to mm-hmm. be a part of, to grow, to learn the things of God, for prayer meetings, for, for discipleship, for Bible memory, Memorization, no for question. encouragement. It's not to be hidden. It's to be opened up for every single one of us. We have to have community. We have to have strong disciples, especially when you know what we're, day we're living in. Yeah. End times where the hearts of many will grow cold and there'll be a falling away. That's it. We need a remnant of disciples that are strong, yeah. that won't compromise the truth and won't pull back from the Holy Ghost. That's right. I wonder if you pray for the people that are watching because there's people that God's going to use them mightily in 2021. We're going to run in 2021 yeah. is our confession. And I want you to pray over them that God would give them a fresh heart and fire for the kingdom and a strength, a stability and a boldness to stand in the kingdom and to do exactly what they're called to do without caring uh, the pushback from the world. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you for what you what you did in, in us in 2020. Yes. A lot of people grew exponentially inside of you. And I pray that as we step into this new year, that, Father, that we are not those that will be quiet. We're not those that will be silent because silence won't save anybody. Amen. We're not those that will lay things down. But, Father, we're going to run after you like never before, that a boldness will rise up inside yeah. of us. Even as they pray in Acts chapter 4, that you would stretch out your hand to do miracles, signs, and wonders through us, that Father, mighty things would happen, that churches would be lit on fire in a new supernatural way, that homes and discipleship would explode, Father, to new levels, into new numbers, that Lord, anything that might have been harassing us this year would be absolutely destroyed by the Spirit of God, even right now, that Lord, we'd be raised up, we'd be set up to do great and mighty things as we go into these end times, that we will see 
that you, you said, Lord, that the, the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. So, Father, I pray that you're going to continue to raise us up as laborers yes. to do great and mighty things. And that, Lord, we will be disciples that create disciples that create disciples that create disciples that create disciples. So we can see your kingdom come. Yes. Your Jesus. will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Listen, let me encourage you. Uh, get that book. You need to get it and you need to get it in your spirit. The book is called built, uh, the five foundations of discipleship that will make or break you. It's available wherever you are in the world, in your territory on amazon.com. You can even get the Kindle ebook for your e-reader. If you'd like to do that, uh, in the U S you can go to codyrspencer.com and order the paperback there. Get it. It will bless you. I saw a bunch of you already saying, I've already got it. Just ordered it. Just ordered it. Just ordered it. I'm glad. Get it and get that in your spirit. Yeah. It will strengthen you to do what you're called to do. And uh, I want to encourage those of you that are watching today to stand with us. We're getting ready to start more yeah. revival this week. Then we're going out next week, Pennsylvania. Then we're coming back, Miami, Florida, Tent Crusade. Thank you for Janine and, uh, and, and Todd sowing a seed. Follow their lead and take a moment today and do what the Lord's asking you to do. Sow a seed by faith and watch what God will do in you. We're believing for this to be a year where not only debts are canceled, but That's we right. build wealth in the kingdom. We're believing God to ex like exponentially increase. I'm believing that God will make us pillars of generosity in the kingdom. That's right. Go to miracleword.com. You can sow a seed there and all of the ways to give are there on the website. If you're uh, around the world, PayPal is available in the U.S. Cash App and Venmo. Hashtag donate if you are on Facebook, Periscope, or Twitter. Uh, but do, do something today. Many of you, and let me say this because I believe it, and we've been praying, because now we're on television all over the world. We're touching people by the power of God, feeding hundreds of children every day. I'm asking God to attach to us a thousand people that will partner with us at $85 a month or more. And God's speaking to many of you right now to join us in partnership. All you've got to do is go to miracleword.com. You can click that partner tab and you can set up a monthly seed that you'd like right. to sow to stand with us because we're believing God to touch this world before Jesus comes. We've already taken steps of faith. We're going to be on television in over 100 wow. million homes a week, a hundred million. It's actually more than that, but I'm being very conservative. They've told me that the reach is actually over 180 million homes, but I know at least conservatively a hundred million in every single week. Um, Sissy, all of the, um, all the dates are on the website. We'll be in Michigan twice, actually three times if I schedule this next one, but it's March and April, uh, twice in Michigan in the spring. So go check it out. We want to see you live, but let me encourage you take a minute to stand with us. You know, I think about this. God's put something in your hand that you can use to cause the kingdom to flourish, right. to push the kingdom and God's agenda forward. And everybody that's standing with us in the month of February, I've got a powerful book for you by brother Kenneth Hagin called understanding the anointing. And what we want you to do, if you've sown your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, fill out the form and let right. us know where we can send that book to be a blessing to you. And then of course, everybody, that is uh, sewing largely, $1,000 or more. We're including the Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible in the New Living Translation. One of the best study tools I've found, and it's the best-selling study Bible on the market. Uh, but these Genuine Leathers, you can't hardly find them in bookstores, but we have a relationship with Tyndale Publishers, and we're gonna yeah. get, I'm going to sign one of these for you and send it to you along with this month's book to say thank you for standing with us 
and believing God for this generation to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We love you guys so very much. Once again, get that book built. It will bless you. Big thanks to my friend Cody. I love you guys. Now tonight, through Friday night, Signs and Wonders Camp Meeting, right here in Margate, Florida. My father's going to be ministering, Bishop Rick Thomas. I'll be ministering. Got the band all here. We're going to be jamming. It's going to be powerful. Um, It's right here at Abundant Life Church. All the details are on the website, miracleword.com forward slash schedule. We want to see you there. These meetings are going to be powerful. Now, starting tomorrow, Wednesday through Friday, we have two sessions a day, a 1030 session, which this broadcast will air it live. And then, of course, 7 p.m. at night. It's going to be awesome. Uh, We'd love to see if you can get here. We've got people that have flown in. I see Lynn Ann said she flew in from California to be in the meetings. People are driving in from other places. Pastor Cody came uh, from New York. It's going to be great. We want to see you there. All of those details, once again, at the website. Uh, We love you so much. Hope to see you. Tonight's going to be powerful. We launch tonight. And uh, if you need a miracle, that's what these meetings are for. Signs and Wonders Camp Meeting. That's right. And uh, it's going to be great. So love you so much. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you again uh, tonight, 7 o'clock for the live services. Be blessed. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.